and give us those receptive hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so this is number five, message number five um, on the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to just begin with a little review um, like I've been doing every week just to kind of recap um, kind of where we've been and where we're going. And so hopefully there'll be some continuity and even if you haven't been here, we'll kind of catch you up. Um, but basically, um, the Holy Spirit is like the great artist of the soul. And what he wants to do is he wants to make us like Christ. So Jesus is the ideal, the God-man. He is the, um, the divine ideal. And the Holy Spirit's work is to, in the process of sanctification, is to make us after his image. Like Christ, little Christ, that we would be Christ to our neighbor. So um, that is what the Holy Spirit is doing. It is a divine work. Um, faith, hope, and love, they're the roadmap to full fullness. Uh, we talked about that before. Um, faith on this side is how we see. So in the age to come, we will see Christ face to face. But here, we see by faith. And so we, we, we act, we make decisions based on our belief in Christ. It's called faith. Um, it's our light in the, in the dark world. Um, hope, also, it is very important. It is the virtue we need to combat. The enemy, it's the opposite of discouragement. The enemy wants to come in, kill, steal, and destroy, discourage us, bring us into disillusionment, despair, all kinds of things. But when we hope in Christ, when we put our eyes on Christ, we get out of that. And so it's a very important um, theological virtue. And then, of course, love is the greatest theological virtue of all. It's the most precious right that we have that no one can take from us. We can choose to love God. No one can take that from us. There's not a government that can take us from it. They can put us in prison, whatever. No one can make us stop loving God. So it's so powerful that we have that ability, that free will, that choice. Um, so... In terms of the Holy Spirit uh, possessing us, love is the greatest of the virtues. We have three different ways in the, in the form of the Trinity that we love. Um, our love for the Father is like that of a child. So we cry out to the Father like Abba, Father. Um, our love for the Son is, is expressed more with like we want to be like him. He's flesh of our flesh, bone of our bone. We want union with Christ. We even want to participate in his sufferings and in the cross by taking up our own cross. So that's how we love the Son. Um, our love for the Holy Spirit is unique in that it is like the burning flame on the inside of us. Um, in essence, we fall in love with Jesus through the Holy Spirit's presence in us. So the Holy Spirit is, you know, he's that one, he's the very Spirit of Christ but it's through him that we can love Christ. You know, it takes God to love God. Um, page two, in summary, I'm still kind of reviewing now. Our love for the Father tends to glorify him. Our love for the Son to transform ourselves into him. And our love for the Holy Spirit is to let ourselves be possessed and moved by him. Um, it's a quote by Luis Martinez, who wrote an amazing book called The Sanctifier. So um, 
we possess the Holy Spirit. So just as the Holy Spirit possesses us, we possess the Holy Spirit. And that is what love is. Love is um, mutual. It's a mutual giving. And so just as it says in Song of Songs, my lover belongs to me and I to him. And in, and in John 17, you know, the Lord says, all things that are mine are yours and yours are mine. And so this is the mutual possession that we have with the Holy Spirit, with God. Um, so to the Father is attributed creation, to the Son, the redemption, and to the Holy Spirit, the sanctification of souls. So I'm going to get into the gifts of the Holy Spirit now that are talked about in Isaiah 11, uh, verses uh, 1 and 2. Um, the Holy Spirit brings about our sanctification in two ways. Okay, the first way is acquired virtues. So when we get born again, there's grace on our lives to obey and to even get in good habits. You know, we get into a habit of reading the Bible. We get into a habit of um, spending time in prayer. There's grace on our lives when we get saved. And these are acquired virtues. We acquire them. We just do it. We're like, I'm going to get up a little earlier. I'm going to spend time with God, right? These are acquired virtues. Um, the second way the Holy Spirit works in our sanctification is infused virtues. Okay? This is um, where it's beyond um, us getting into a good habit. It's actually where the Holy Spirit begins to infuse of himself, like of the God essence into us. Okay? And so a good Bible verse on this, we pray it a lot in the prayer room, is Revelation 5, 6. Um, Revelation 5, 6, it says, um, And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Okay? So the seven spirits of God are found in Isaiah 11, 2. That's where we're going to go with the spirit of wisdom, spirit of revelation, counsel, might, the knowledge of God, the fear of the Lord. So the seven spirits of God. So there's several Bible verses. I go over these quite a bit in the prayer room, but that you can put together. Revelation 5, 6. I'm going to just jot these down. Um, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. Okay, it speaks of the eyes of the Lord. It says, these eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth, that they might strongly support those whose hearts are given over to him. So, and then Isaiah 11, 2 describes the seven spirits. And then there's Zechariah 4, 10, which talks about these eyes rejoicing to see the plumb line, that is the beginning, right? Um, I say the beginning of global prayer, because what they're doing in, in, in um, Zechariah chapter 4 is they're rebuilding the temple. So the exiles came back to rebuild the temple, which is called the House of Prayer. And it was very difficult, and they saw a bunch of rubble, a mountain of rubble. And yet, when they, the first thing that has to be done when you do a building is the plumb line, the beginning. And it says, these seven, that is the eyes of the Lord, they rejoice to see the plumb line, the beginning, right? The vertical, establishing vertical, which is our prayer to the Lord. Our prayer to the Lord is establishing vertical. 
So when we establish vertical, which also could be said first commandment, when we establish first commandment in first place, right, then second commandment can come out of that. Then the foundation to the whole building can be set in correctly so that it can be built correctly. The house of prayer can be built correctly. You have to establish vertical. So, Danny. What were the verses that you said? Yeah. So the verses are Revelation 5, 6. These all have to do with the eyes of the Lord and the seven spirits of God. Second Chronicles 16, 9. 16, 9. Um, Isaiah 11, 2. And Zechariah 4. You say 7, 2? I'm sorry. Isaiah 11, verse 2. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. And if you put all those together, you really get a picture of the seven eyes and what they're doing. They're searching for those who would establish vertical, the plumb line, the place of prayer, the place before seeking God first, loving him with all of our hearts. He's looking for those people. And then what is he going to do when he sees those people and they're looking at him, seeking him? He's going to send out his seven spirits. That's the infused virtues that I'm talking about. When the, Holy, when, when the Holy Spirit sends out these seven spirits, we can receive them into our spirit. The spirit of wisdom, spirit of revelation, spirit of counsel, spirit of might, spirit of the knowledge of God, spirit of the fear of the Lord. These are heavenly virtues. We can't get these by good habits. Good habits prepare us to receive the infused virtues. The acquired virtues are very necessary, but they're kind of the, the beginning. The acquired virtues in and of themselves won't transform us into Christ-likeness at the highest level. We need the infused virtues. We need the ones where it's supernatural and it's very character traits of God are coming into us. Where we get wisdom that is beyond human wisdom. And you can think of many, many examples, both biblically and, other, and in other books, of people who had so much wisdom from the Lord that it was astounding, right? Solomon, obviously, you know, that it went beyond. It's like this is beyond what's natural. It's heavenly. Those are the infused virtues. So those are the two um, different, different ways that the Holy Spirit works to... Um, to make us like Christ, to transform us. Um, so I'm going to do the brief overview. The first three gifts of the Holy Spirit um, pertain to our emotions, the affective life. Okay, so fear of the Lord, fortitude, which is also divine mind, and piety. Okay, piety, this is the one It's kind of interesting because if you, if you look at, I put two different versions down for Isaiah 11.2. Um, my New King James says it this way. Um, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which is also understanding, the spirit of counsel and divine might, the spirit of knowledge, and I put in parentheses, and the spirit of godliness could be, trans it could be translated that, that way. In, in the New King James, it says the spirit of the knowledge of God. But it could be translated the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of godliness and the fear of the Lord. So um, 
Catholic Domain Bible translates it on page 3 at the top. And the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and fortitude, the spirit of knowledge and piety. Piety is the godliness. And he will be filled with the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So it's interesting that it's like when you, there's seven of them when you include the godliness one, piety. So um, the first three, the fear of the Lord, the divine mind, and the spirit of godliness, those are pertaining to our affective, our emotions, and our will. So when you think of it like this, the spirit of God is directing our soul. So we want the spirit of God to be the strongest part of us. So our spirit, connected to God's spirit, needs to rule over our soul. And so the way it does that is by these gifts. That's the way it rules over our soul. It uses these gifts, right? So the two that's used in our emotions, we got emotions, will, and mind, right, is our soul. The two that are used for our emotions are the fear of the Lord and the divine might. Those are used to rule over our emotions. Okay, fear of the Lord is not a fear of punishment nor servile fear out of fear of being punished, but instead it's a fear that comes with love. The fear that comes with love is that of being separated from the beloved. We do not, you know, when we fall deeply in love with Jesus, we don't want anything to separate us from him. Um, that becomes the fear of the Lord, where you're like, I do not want to sin, you know? I want to be, I want to um, maintain this deep union that I have with Christ, right? When you cultivate that and you develop that and you fall more and more in love with Jesus, you don't want anything coming between you and the Lord. Um, divine might or fortitude also rules over our emotions, okay? It's the gift of the Holy Spirit whereby the soul can overcome difficulties without number. It gives strength to persevere against all odds and gives confidence in the midst of persecution. Okay, it's, it's in this gift the Apostle Paul declares, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Okay, so that helps us rule over our emotions, even when we are in difficulty. It's the fortitude. Um, you know, Danny was acquiring some virtues, right? On this ride, fortitude, right, is perseverance, right? That's an acquired virtue to just keep going, you know? Just getting up again. I'm going to ride that unicycle another 50 miles today. Okay, sleep, get up again. There's something happening in that when you keep doing that over and over and over and you're acquiring fortitude, right? That would be um, in the natural, the acquired one. So each one of these seven gifts, by the way, there's the natural level of the acquired virtues and there's the infused level. Okay, so there's, there's both and. It's like both and, but the infused ones go to another level where God is really infusing himself into us. Um, in other words, we can't do all things unless we have Christ who strengthens us, right? We can't have that divine fortitude unless he is in this giving us his divine mind. Um, the spirit of godliness. Okay, this is the gift that rules over our will. Um, it's the gift inspired by the Holy Spirit of adoption by which we call God our Father. This gift is the spirit of godliness develops this filial affection towards God as our Father. With this gift, the soul can give itself to God and to others without measure. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, or 2 Corinthians 12, 15. 
Paul says, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved, right? What would give him that? Like, it's not what they were giving him. It's clearly an infused virtue from the Lord that he would want to spend himself on a people who were kind of like not really liking him at that time. Like the Corinthian church were, they were carnal. They were kind of offended by the Apostle Paul. They were like, can you send us a letter of recommendation because we're not really sure you are an apostle, right? (laughs) And yet he was like, I will gladly be spent on them. That's an infused virtue. That can only come from God to feel that way when you're not really getting any kudos from those people, right? Um, So those are the first three. I went over those last week. And so the new ones for tonight are the four gifts that pertain to the intellect. And these are the wisdom, understanding, counsel, and knowledge. I'm going to grab a drink real quick. Okay, so the gift of counsels, these are the ones that are going to rule over our mind, okay? The part of our soul that is our mind. The gift of counsel is an infused virtue whereby the Holy Spirit gives clear guidance to help us determine what should be done in a particular case or situation. Okay, in the natural order, the acquired virtue is called prudence. It's the normal process that the intellect uses to make decisions. So we have just the normal process, like what would be the smart thing to do in this case, you know, and you go through a process, you know, you go through some reasoning, some, you know, getting some advice from others, you go through natural reasoning, that's called prudence, it's prudent for me to do this or that, Um, but the infused virtue is called the gift of counsel, and it pertains to um, the Lord really giving you insight into how what decision is to be made in a certain situation um there's a couple psalms there that i put down its verses but there's many verses on this um the gift of knowledge this is an infused virtue only available through the holy spirit that gives insights into heavenly mysteries and the mysteries between creatures and their creator This knowledge is transcendent, that is, it's beyond the natural order. The acquired virtue of knowledge is the natural means to obtain information through study, through science, right? So that this is why there's there can be a disconnect, I think, when when um, say you want to pursue the Lord and maybe you want to be a pastor, for example. So what is the normal process? Will you go to seminary? You know, you go to seminary to study the Bible, to get equipped, right, to be a pastor. And um, all that is good. But if you only stay on the level of natural, your natural ability to study the Word of God, and you're gaining all this knowledge, but you don't have the infused knowledge from the Lord, it can almost do more damage than good, right? Because knowledge puffs up, right? But, um, and we, we think we know something. Oh, I've been to seminary. I know something now, right? Let me teach all of you. <laughs> when really it's like, when we start learning from the Lord, it's more like we realize, I don't know anything. <laughs> you know, the more we get the infused virtue, the more we realize 
how much help we need from the Holy Spirit to actually get the knowledge of God. So it's it can be a vast there can be a pretty big disconnect I think because um, you know in this world we think well hard work is going to get me where I need to be or if I study enough that's going to get me where I need to be you know or if I get this degree that's going to get me where I need to be but it's like those things only are they only get us so far on the natural level and there can be a vast difference between that and say even someone who hasn't studied but has spent time with God like for hours and hours in the place of prayer and communion with God and they get this heavenly wisdom and they speak out of a heavenly wisdom and place and it convicts the hearts of the souls of men and they're like where have you been studying you know and that's what obviously Jesus is sad right and even his disciples they were like where did you guys all go to school you know I mean people were like how did you learn how to speak like this well they got the heavenly wisdom they got the infused virtues of knowledge and wisdom so um, the divine gift of knowledge gives insight that one cannot get through study but only by the Holy Spirit okay and the perfection of this gift that is the full maturity of it is you can find complete detachment and what I mean by that is like Paul like when he says I count all things to be rubbish right he became completely detached from the world and from his um, like his great learning that he had all the school that he had he was so trained as a Pharisee right learned all of this stuff and yet he counted all as dung basically compared to the heavenly virtue the knowledge of God and knowing Jesus from that heavenly way he's like all of that is done <laughs> so that's how he got detached you can get detached from the world when you get that kind of knowledge from the Lord it makes you see how futile everything is and and even like all of our great learning or whatever it kind of just you're like yeah I I'm done with that I need this I need this from the Lord and so um, again uh, just another Bible verse that goes with that is the two on the road to Emmaus um, where the where the Lord expounded to them the scriptures concerning himself right and because he had that it was that infused knowledge that was coming into their hearts their hearts were burning with conviction and they were getting all this insight that they never could have got on their own because they didn't understand what was going on, you know, which is why they were traveling on the road to Emmaus, you know, going out of the city because they're like, we don't know what, we thought he was a Messiah, you know, and they're just talking away and then Jesus begins to open it up, right? And that's when they begin to get infused with this heavenly knowledge. Um, so here's a little quote at the bottom of page three. The, fir the, the first action of the gift of knowledge is to reveal in a profoundly intuitive manner and with irresistible conviction the vanity of things. After this vision, we turn earnestly to God and begin to walk the road of Christian perfection or maturity. Perfection there is, is basically maturity. So, yeah, once you get a taste, and I, I think of this other quote, there's um, St. Thomas Aquinas who um, he wrote um, this 
a really large work called the Summa Theologica. And it was, the purpose he was writing was for theology for beginners, right? And so he began to write theology for beginners and it was, it's a massive, massive document. So you could look it up on the internet and begin to read some St. Thomas Aquinas, right? And he, I don't know how long it took him, he, maybe he spent most of his life writing this because it's so big. And, and theologians today even, um, they refer to him all the time. Aquinas says this or that, or this is what he teaches. And so he's one of the doctors of the church that um, for theology, people look to him for so much theological wisdom. Right? And so he's one of the masters, the great ones, right? So what's really interesting, though, is at the end of his life, he um, had such an encounter with the Lord. It was so dramatic that he never spoke again. And he did not write anything anymore. And he basically, the one thing he did say was, everything I've written is straw whoa like he had such an encounter with the heavenly wisdom that he realized everything he wrote which we look at it and go I've, I've looked at this stuff before I'm like this stuff is amazing like I love theology and he's like breaks down into all the little you know this word means that this word means that and you know gets into all the details and I'm like this is awesome this is you know I love it you know He's like, everything I wrote is straw. And he just, he, he just closed his mouth. And he's like, I have nothing to say. I'm not going to write or say anything anymore. And he didn't. And so that just goes to show you, like, when you get infused with what's heavenly, it's like, whoa, everything I've ever known is like, it's nothing in comparison. Um. Okay, so the gift of understanding, page four, almost done here. So this infused virtue enables the soul to penetrate truth deeply. By means of this gift, we can go deep into the meaning of the Christian mysteries and doctrines of the faith. The more this gift is developed, the more profound is our vision and intuitiveness in the spirit realm. Understanding is one of the gifts of contemplation. Wherever there is mystery, the gift of understanding enables us to comprehend and penetrate the divine mystery. And I just said symbols of the Old Testament, parables of the New Testament. So there's so many examples of this in scripture, right? Jesus would speak in parables, right? There was always mystery. There was always something to get out of these parables that wasn't, you know, at first reading, you might not get it, right? You need to ask the Lord, you know, for that deeper understanding. That's how we get it, is via the Holy Spirit. And part of what God does, even in our own lives, like he gives us dreams, right? He'll give us like a prophetic dream with all kinds of symbols in it. Why does he do that? Why doesn't he just speak plainly to us, right? Sometimes he speaks plainly, but sometimes he's speaking in parables, in symbols, in dreams. Why does he do that? I, I think one of the main reasons is he loves us so much that he loves the dialogue with us. He loves us to come after him and go, Lord, what does this mean? I had this cool dream. I know it means something. 
what does it mean? You know, you showed me four colors and a white horse, you know, or whatever. And so you get into the dialogue with the Lord. I know I've done this before over a dream where I will just keep asking him over and over, what, what is that? What does that mean? What does that mean? Right? And I just keep placing it before him. And then one day he'll just like drop it into my spirit and I'll have insight and I'll be like, whoa, I know what that dream means now. Right? Isn't that exciting when you know that you have this dialogue with the Lord that way? And he delights to give you the understanding. But he loves you to come after, to seek it out, because there's this interaction with him that he enjoys to have, like a father with a child. He enjoys that. Um, the, the symbols in the Old Testament are many. There's so many in there. And we can seek them out ourselves when we pray read the scripture. That's what I like to do. I, I suggest to you that when you're reading the Bible, you need to read prayerfully. Pray read it. Because then you're going to have God showing you. You know, the word of God which dwells in you is going to unpack the word of God. You've got to pray read it. Um, you're going to get so much deeper if you pray read it. Um, the symbols in the Old Testament, for instance, you know, um, the crossing of the Red Sea and the Israelites going through the Red Sea, and many times that's looked at as like baptism, you know? And so they, they're, they're going from their old life, their life in Egypt, right? We all have our life in Egypt, our old life, right? But then the Lord leads us out of this slavery to sin, right? And we cross through the Red Sea, which is like our baptism, and then we, where are we going? We're going into, you know, the promised land. And so, like, all of these things are, like, symbolic. There's so much in there beyond the natural uh, storyline. The natural storyline is there, but then there's the deeper storyline always pointing to Christ. Like, everything is always pointing to Christ throughout the whole scripture. You know, Abraham and Isaac and how he said, sacrifice your own son, you know. I mean, we would all go, what? God, Really? And why? Why did he do that? Because he was going to sacrifice his own son. You know, it's a picture of Christ. You know, and, and so all of these things, and there's like many, many, many examples, Old Testament and New Testament, where we need the gift of understanding to open it up to us. Um, and then the last one, the gift of wisdom. The gift of wisdom is the supreme gift that coordinates all the gifts that pertain to the intellect and it unifies them into oneness, okay? If you think about wisdom, um, if you have knowledge, that's one thing, but then you need wisdom and how to apply the knowledge, right? So wisdom is the, is the biggest one of all. Um, this, the scripture here, for the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Um, 1 Corinthians 2.10, and then Luis Martinez says, In the highest degree of the gift of wisdom, souls live as if in heaven. So they're in such union with God at, at their maturity, in their maturity and sanctification, that it's as if they have this heavenly life. You know, except for the beatific vision where they don't see the Lord yet, right? But they're walking at such high levels of wisdom and just all of that infusion from the Lord. Um, it's like what Paul said. He said, it's no longer I who live. 
but it's Christ who lives in me. That is like the highest level, right? That's the highest we can go on this side, where it's no longer I who live. I mean, for, for Paul to be able to say that, think of that, that he could even say that. I don't even live anymore. It's just Christ living his life through me. That is a dramatic statement, right? And he wasn't puffed up about himself. He actually had a, so much humility, you know? But he actually knew it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who's living in me and through me. That's powerful. And so that is the gift of wisdom at the highest level. Um, and then we'll just end with this, uh, with this last quote, and then I'll open it up for any kind of um, reflection or questions or feedback or testimonies or whatever is on your heart. Um, when we are united to God, when we enjoy Him by an intimate experience, we have a much better knowledge of divine things than through the description of scholars or through the books of the wisest <coughs> men. The knowledge of the gifts is acquired by connaturality and by intimate experience through close union we have with God. This is true of all the gifts, but particularly the gift of wisdom. The gift of wisdom gives to our souls this power to experience divine things, to taste them in the depths of our being, and by that pleasure and experience to judge all things. So that's a powerful quote. Um, let me go ahead and just um, close this in prayer, and then I will take questions. So, Lord, we just, we thank you for these seven spirits of God, Lord. And we desire, the, we desire these gifts, Lord. We desire them because you really want to infuse them into us. Because Christ was the firstborn among many brethren. You want us to be like him. He was the firstborn among many and so, Lord, you're searching to and fro throughout the whole earth, these seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out. And, Lord, we desire to be receiving of these seven spirits of God. Lord, that we could be, our spirit would be elevated from this earth to, a, to another realm. We would actually be able to experience um, what you desire of us, this transcendence, this place where you live, you live beyond the natural created order, for you created all things. But to us, you say, come up here, and I will show you things. And so you give us ability through these seven spirits, these seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, you give us ability to transcend, to go above, to be elevated above the natural and into the spirit realm. And Lord, this is what I ask you for each one of us and for our walk with you, God, that it would be, we would acquire virtues, but we would also receive the infused virtues, the heavenly ones where we can't get it any other way. And so we ask you for that, Lord. We're, we're longing for that. And we pray, God, that in each one of us, we would take time to cultivate spending that time with you that we might receive of these seven infused virtues of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.